Thanks for tuning into the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that helps you achieve happiness through hope, creativity, and validation of self and others. We get it. Life is challenging, but we don't have to sit on the sidelines while difficult circumstances crush our dreams. Here at the Happiness Playbook, we know that our attitude about life plays a huge role in how we feel and how we handle the challenges that come our way. Because we believe life is a team sport and we're all in this together, we work hard to share ideas and practices that will help you come off conqueror in life's contests. So listen up as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 95 of the Happiness Playbook. Did you know that you have a superpower? It's true. Don't believe me? Stay tuned. But first, it's time for our post-game analysis. Last week, we challenged you to take some time and consider the people in your life that you would be loath to lose, and then look outward and do something with them or for them. How did it go? I really hope you're taking a few minutes each week to try these challenges, or as we like to call them, happiness plays in the game of life. Mindfulness is the big buzzword in mental health these days, and for good reason. It's a good thing. That's why we're trying to help you be mindful about things that can bring you connection and joy. But it's up to you to suit up and get in the game instead of just being a spectator. That's why our motto is, happiness is a skill. A skill is something you can work on. It's not something that just happens. You've got to put some effort into it. You've got to practice it. And when you do, that skill can get better and more and more rewarding. And just like with any other skill, if you don't pick it up and use it, you'll eventually lose it. If you think about children, they're happiness ninja warriors. They're masters at being present. They let go of errors and hurts and keep right on playing like nobody's business. They're great at accepting their circumstances and making the most of them. Think about a young child showing up at a new school. They sit in their assigned seat and then look around to see who they can make friends with. That's accepting and building. Little kids are generous and loving. They sometimes struggle with empathy because of some scientific stuff like brain development. But besides that, they can be very loving and sweet about looking out for others' needs. Then something happens as we age out of childhood. We become jaded and fearful. The cup looks half empty instead of half full. That's why play theory is so important. It helps us reconnect to what was natural when we were younger. So for those of you taking these plays of the week seriously, good on you. We hope it's making a positive difference in your outlook and emotional well-being, and we'd love to hear how that's going. Drop us a a note or a message on the Happiness Playbook Instagram, or leave a comment on the episode page at playtheory.org. This podcast was started because... COVID shut down our person-to-person opportunities to teach play theory in classes and workshops, where we could see in real time the lights go on in participants' eyes. It's much harder to get a feel for the effectiveness of our efforts in this medium, so we really appreciate those who have reached out and let us know how they feel about an episode or idea that we've shared. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Personally, I really don't like asking people for things, but I'm passionate about the difference these ideas can make in alleviating pain and suffering in others' lives. I've witnessed it over and over again. So if you haven't done so yet, hop on iTunes and leave the Happiness Playbook a five-star rating and write a quick review. No thesis statement is needed, just a quick great job or I love this podcast, you will too. Anything helps raise the visibility of the podcast. Our highlight reel is a promo for the benefits of mindfulness, or as we call it here at the Happiness Playbook, being present. Here they are in no particular order. One, improved self-control. Two, objectivity, which means being able to see things without emotions taking over. Three, Increased tolerance for less than ideal situations or for others that don't share the same opinions. Four, enhanced flexibility. Life is demanding and being able to react with grace to what comes your way is invaluable. Five, equanimity. Remember this one from episode 91? Mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. Man, couldn't we use a lot more of that in the world? Six, improved concentration and mental clarity. Seven, emotional intelligence. Eight, the ability to relate to others and one's self with kindness, acceptance, and compassion. That is good stuff. Those are all fruits that come from being more present or mindful. And that's what we're working towards with our happiness practice. Okay, team, huddle up. For this week's play-by-play, I promised we'd be exploring our superpower, the superpower of our thoughts. You'll want to check out this article, The Power of the Placebo Effect by Harvard Health. I'll leave a link in the show notes on our episode page on playtheory.org. It's true that so far they haven't proven that placebos can lower your cholesterol or shrink a tumor, but they have proven that they do work very well on reducing our perception of pain. They're also very effective for stress-related insomnia and the side effects of cancer treatment, like fatigue and nausea, among other things. Ted Kapchuk of Harvard-affiliated Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center said, The placebo effect is a way for your brain to tell the body what it needs to feel better, unquote. Professor Kapchuk's research has found that the placebo effect is strongest when there's a ritual or formal action around the desired result. And I'll I'll talk more about that. In one study, even people who knew they were receiving a placebo and not real medication for their health issue had improved symptoms when the pills were given by a doctor and were in a prescription bottle. So that's what I mean by a ritual or formal action around the desired result. People associate the ritual of taking medicine as a positive healing effect, even when they know that it's not actually the medicine. This action of taking the pill in a pill bottle That alone can stimulate the brain into thinking that the body is being healed. That's the power of our thoughts. Isn't that crazy? Our thoughts are truly powerful things. 
Here are some amazing examples. For the whole article, you'll want to see the show notes. Again, I'll leave the link there. A researcher used data from a number of clinical trials of top antidepressants to compare outcomes of the drug's performance versus a placebo. In more than half of the trials he reviewed the prescription drugs did no better than placebos. He concluded that 80% or 4 out of 5 of the success in the trials was actually due to the placebo effect. So we take a pill believing it will help us feel better and 80% of the time that was enough to make us feel better. In another study, some weightlifters were told that they were being giving, given a legal anabolic steroid, but it was really just a sugar pill or a placebo. Every athlete in the study that thought that they were on steroids set an all-time personal record in every exercise they were tested in. Talk about mind over matter. One unbelievable study tested the placebo effect on surgical procedures. 180 patients with osteoarthritis of the knee were split into three groups. Group one went under the knife and had a surgical procedure done to correct the damaged cartilage. Group two was treated by slushing out the knee joint, which is a less invasive treatment, but it appeared to be the same surgery. And the last group, group three, received a placebo surgery. This was accomplished when the doctors made small incisions on the knee to produce scars that replicated what an actual knee surgery would have. So what do you think? All three groups believed they were receiving the same knee surgery and were receiving the same corrective benefits. The researchers followed up with all three groups for two years, and here's their findings. I'm going to quote, At no point did either of the intervention groups report less pain or better function than the placebo group, unquote. So to paraphrase, all three procedures resulted in the same outcome for the recipients. This study's conclusion was that healthcare workers should not underestimate the power of the placebo effect, no matter how implausible it may seem. Wow. That's amazing stuff. If you don't believe me, please go read the whole articles. I can't, I can't quote them all here on the podcast. Now, I'm not going to get all existential and cosmic and religious on you, but I do find it interesting that there are so many faith practices and wisdom traditions that focus on the power of our belief. I will say that I am a believer. I believe in belief. I get that there are limits. We can't control everything, but why not accept that there is a lot more within our control than we may realize? Like when we decide to focus on gratitude for the day, our amazing brains get to work and seek out all the things that we can feel grateful for. And conversely, when we wake up and have the thought, my life is going nowhere, that's what tends to happen. I know it's happened to me. You've heard the term self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy, also known as interpersonal expectancy effect, is the phenomenon 
where an expectation for the behavior of another person or group brings about the expected behavior. I've seen this time and time again in my work with youth. If I expect them to be considerate and prepared, they show up that way. If conversely, I expect them to be inconsiderate and selfish, I'm going to behave in ways that will invite the youth to act inconsiderately and selfishly. And my amazing brain will seek out examples to justify this belief. And guess what? The youth can tell. They feel that, that judgment, and then they behave accordingly. There was another interesting study where teachers were told that some children in their class had previously been assessed as high achieving. Again, I'll link. This was a video, a YouTube video uh, in the show notes. In reality, the children had been randomly chosen and there was no indication that they were high performers. Long story short, the teacher's thoughts about these children affected their behavior in measurable ways. At the end of the school term, The children that were thought to be smarter or harder working scored across the board measurably higher than their regular peers because their teachers thought they would. That's a superpower. This may seem impossible, but when you consider the power of our brain, it starts to make sense. Our brains like to be right because being wrong can be dangerous. Because of this, our brains look for evidence that the thoughts we have are correct. Remember the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon we talked about in a previous episode? I remember that early on in my pregnancies, I would all of a sudden start seeing pregnant women everywhere. I would think, no way, everyone else is also having babies now. But that wasn't true. In reality, that was my brain in overdrive looking for evidence of pregnancy because that was my new reality. Our brains are very adept at looking for evidence to confirm what they perceive as our reality, which is really just our thoughts and ideas. Here's the next layer in how our thoughts become so powerful. Our thoughts affect our feelings, which then affect our behavior, which then affect our thoughts. This circular pattern is a causal loop. One thing leads to another. When we suffer from depression, we are in a causal loop. We think life is hopeless. We behave without hope. Our behavior confirms our thought that life is hopeless. Anything we can do to interrupt this cycle is helpful in the recovery from depression. Here's another example of a causal loop. Someone has the thought, no one cares about me. They then may have the feeling that they're not lovable. They then don't treat themselves with love and behave in ways that confirm this perceived reality. Then, when others react as expected to their unlovable behavior, they have the thought, I am indeed not lovable. And on and on it goes, with our powerful brains continuing to look for evidence of this perceived truth. Here's another example of a causal loop. Thought. I don't get along with others. Action. I don't make an effort to build relationships with others. Result, I don't have relationships with others. Next thought, my original belief or thought, I don't get along with others, feels justified or true. Here's another example. Thought, I'm not a healthy person. Action, I behave like an unhealthy person. 
I don't exercise, and I eat poorly. Result, I feel unhealthy. The next thought, I am further convinced that I am indeed not healthy. We can become trapped by the power of our thoughts. That's why it's so important to be aware of them. This is sometimes called meta-awareness or insight. We are constantly having thoughts and it would be exhausting and impossible to notice every single one that we have. Because of this, our brains get good at not noticing our thoughts. And this is what makes it hard for us to see them as the origins of our feelings. Being able to recognize our thoughts is something that we have to practice. Being present is essential if we're ever going to recognize that these ideas we accept as truth are really just thoughts that create expectations for the experiences we will have as our brain tries to justify these thoughts. Looking at two of the examples of a causal loop I shared earlier, I don't get along with others. Maybe that seems like the truth, but is it? Could it be reshaped into, I have had struggles in relationships? See how that is less rigid? Even if you have zero friends and are in therapy to deal with your psychopathic nature, which the vast majority of people are not dealing with, This new adjusted thought opens the door to a new belief and the possibility of a positively oriented causal loop. Thought, I've struggled in my relationships. Action, I need help to improve my relationships. Result, I get help with my relationships. New thought, I'm improving in my relationships. New action, I start to recognize improvements with my relationships. New result, I feel hopeful about my relationships. New improved thought. I'm getting better at relationships. The next example is about our health or how we feel. I'm not a healthy person. Instead, the thought could be, I'm not as healthy as I want to be. If I change my habits, I can improve. Action. I change my habits. Result. I see improvement in my health. New thought. I'm getting healthier. We've all heard the saying about the glass either being half full or half empty. Just think about it for a minute. Wow, our thoughts have the power to change the contents within a glass. So it is with our lives. We all have things that can be seen as either positive or negative happening to us on any given day. How we choose to think about these neutral circumstances is what creates the positive or negative feelings we experience regardless of the circumstance, regardless of how much water is in the glass. Here's where play theory can help. If you're being present, you can recognize that it's your thought about the amount of water in the glass that's shaping the disappointment you may be feeling about the half-empty glass. Too often we just notice the resultant feeling and chalk that up to that's just how life is or what we believe is reality. A half empty glass is sad. But what if it's half full instead? Until we can be present enough with ourselves to see how our thoughts are shaping our experiences, we'll continue to be at the mercy of ideas we're accepting as truths 
that are offered up to us by this information-saturated world awash in answers irrelevant to the real questions we need to be asking if we're sincerely seeking to feel peace and love instead of fear and condemnation. Okay, stepping off the soapbox. Phew! Bottom line, only when we're able to be present can we recognize our thoughts for what they truly are, possibilities. Only when we can do this will we be able to live an intentional life. For our play of the week, we invite you to be present and seek out that deeply buried thought that you're harboring as a truth instead of for what it is, a possibility or a belief. Maybe it's something benign like, I never find the good parking space. Maybe it's something much darker like, I don't deserve to be happy. When you've found this thought, sit with it for a while and peel back what isn't truth. Maybe it's just a thought that you can't find a parking space, so you can try on a new thought like, I'm going to be patient as I look for parking spaces closer to the building. Or something like, I like to get in a few extra steps and park farther away. Or try something radical like, I like to leave the good parking spaces for people who need them more than I do. If you have a feeling that you don't deserve to be happy, it could take a lot of work to find the thought behind that. Don't be afraid to ask for help, see a counselor, or work with a life coach. Invest some time being present with your thoughts and see if you can find the origins of that false truth. In the meantime, you can challenge the thought, ask yourself, who says so? Or where's the evidence for this? That's a lot to think about, but don't be discouraged. Find opportunities to practice being present and notice the thoughts that fuel your feelings. Just like any other skill, with practice you'll see improvement. And that's why we're here at the Happiness Playbook. Each week, we'll give you helpful reminders and practice plans to help you improve your happiness game. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to take a few minutes when you're on iTunes and share us a radiant review. We really appreciate you taking the time to help us get the word out about play theory and the happiness playbook. That's it for the week. We hope your summer is going well and that it's all that it should be. For many, that means taking a trip. Next week, I'll be joined by Adeline Florence for a very special episode as we do a deep dive on how the play theory principles can improve your traveling experiences. Until then, remember, happy isn't something that happens to you. It's something you make happen. And here at the Happiness Playbook, we're all about helping you do just that. Until next week, keep practicing happy. You got this. <laughs>